Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, we wanted to let you know that we're hosting our first live event with the lovely ladies of Asian Boss Girl and First of All in LA on Saturday, October 5th. Ever feel like you wanted to join in on our conversations? Well, here's your chance. We will be having a full day of panels, breakout sessions, and networking filled with deep, authentic conversations on topics like dealing with imposter syndrome, transitions, finding your purpose, and so much more. Plus, who can resist some great food, boba, and amazing goodie bags worth more than the ticket itself? You've been a huge part of our journey, and we are so excited to connect with you guys in person. Tickets are on sale now, and the first 50 people to purchase a ticket will be entered into our raffle to win an amazing prize. Everything is linked in the description box below. Thank you so much for being a part of our Pip family. Hope you enjoy this episode with Janet from ABG and Minji from First of All. Hope to see you guys soon. I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. And welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I'm Christine. And I'm Regina. Oh my god, we have a full house today. We do. Although <laughs> Actually, it's I don't know if it's remote, a full house. So. Yeah, it's remote. <laughs> remote virtual house (laughs) exactly yeah today is a super super special episode and we're so grateful for our two guests for being here so let's introduce minji and janet first if you guys want to say hi hey everyone hi (laughs) so let me introduce them you guys should know i know i just said their first names but who (laughs) who are these people what's happening let's start with janet janet wang is from abg asian boss girl (laughs) she is the representative chosen to speak for ABG just because maybe next time it'll be a goal to try to record with everyone. Yeah, it would have been too full of a house house party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Janet is amazing, amazing boss lady who has done so much in her life. I can't wait for us to go into our topic today because she just on a normal basis when you ask her about her story, everyone is like, whoa, I had no idea this is what you've been through. <laughs> and now she's ended up here as a content creator being a huge force in the community and speaking her truth and such an inspiration to us all. And welcome, Janet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here in this virtual house. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Minji. What? Uh, Minji has been on my separate podcast, XOXO Christine. Minji is a dear friend of ours. We love her so much. She's a community leader. She's an actor. She's a powerhouse. She is just someone that I've looked up to for a really long time. And I have the privilege of getting to call her a sister. And we share so many thoughts. And she's so wise. And I could just keep going on and talk like this about her forever. (laughs) So, of course, we have her on today and her podcast is first of all which i know a lot of you guys also listen to because you guys tell us all the time (laughs) so we're so happy to have you here with us minji oh thank you for having me and right back at you yay Yay. (laughs) i'm so excited to have these two ladies on our podcast because i've listened to both of their podcasts and every single time i'm like oh man i want to have these conversations with them and here we are yeah yeah actually the three podcasts perfectly imperfect ABG. And first of all, we all met and we have some exciting news. 
So the three podcasts, I believe there's six of us total. Mm -hmm. Yeah, six of us total. I think that we all have very similar goals when it comes to what we speak about in the podcast and just what we're trying to do for the community overall. Christine keeps describing it this way where I feel like right now is just like that right time where we're all just very on the same page and we want to host a live event together. Um, Kind of getting all of these, you know, incredible ladies who have made such big strides in the industry and just for the community in general and get everyone together and inspire others to speak up and kind of come into their own. So we're really, really excited. I don't know. Every single time I meet up with these ladies, I'm just so excited and so motivated and I can't wait. Yay. It's going to be great. We're really excited. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to plan an event, first of all, but it's a whole nother thing to plan with six people yeah. <laughs> with yeah. really great ideas. It's not like in like, oh my gosh, what are we? It's like so many great ideas, so many great topics. And we're all on the same page about a lot of things, but then yet very different personalities as well. So I feel like this is when Regina said it, it feels right or it feels aligned. I'll just speak for myself where it's just like, it just feels like it's coming together like very seamlessly, you know, and what we're crafting, what we're trying to do together and bringing the community together and bring people in person together where we can have these discussions in person just feels right. I don't know yeah. about you. What, what do you guys think, mm-hmm. Jenna MNG? Yeah, I would say um, on behalf of ABG Asian Boss Girl, we are a podcast of three Asian American women and our premise is generally of a podcast for Asian American working women. And I think that's kind of the thing that we, the three of us share is the target towards Asian American women. And we bring specifically the working woman's perspective. But what we found is, is we've done a couple of meetups and in-person meetings with our listeners and it's really broad. It's actually not only women, but men that listen to this content to. And we found that uh, in-person meetings are so rewarding. And one of the greatest takeaways is that people not only come to meet us, but they get to meet each other. And so this idea mm-hmm. of, of community and being able to expand that where we can come together with the three of our podcasts and the three of our listenerships and to introduce our listeners to each other, that I'm really excited about. So yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's been really cool for me. I'm like the one podcast that's like on her own yeah. in <laughs> in her she's super woman <laughs> that's how big of a powerhouse you are yeah baby. oh my goodness and i was also gonna say it's so smart that you record in your closet <laughs> yeah this is where i do my voiceover work guys just don't tell <laughs> my clients <laughs> it's been really cool because uh you guys have been so encouraging to me where i feel like i'm sometimes like floating out there just having these random conversations with people but finding my voice was helpful in getting to know your guys' work because that's what's just been so organic about it that we all have our different channels and our audiences and our voices, but then finding the ways that we can kind of like synergize and work together to like amplify certain things. So for me, I was just like listening to all the things you guys talk about, about work and about relationships and I'll bring in different guests. So mine's not necessarily only geared towards women, but I actually originally thought it was going to be a female-only podcast, but then I was like, you know what? I'm the female on this podcast. I'm always represented. I want to hear what other people have to think. And and having maybe debates or like arguments maybe on, <laughs> on air <laughs> to see like how people can be so different, but where we can find common ground and go deeper about things that maybe 
we don't usually get to go deep on in a regular conversation. So I'm just really excited that Christine, I really give hats off to Christine. She's been such a powerhouse in this particular effort to get us all together and to figure out how we can all contribute to something greater and create that community and bring people in person to meet one another and to meet us and just build on what we've established up until this point. So I'm so excited. I think it's gonna be really great. Can you guys just feel that energy? Like this is what <laughs> you'll feels. feel in person when you come to our event. So <laughs> you just see why all these women have their own podcast, right? Because they're so well spoken, so eloquent, and so mm. wise, right? I'm just like, oh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm loving this hype woman session. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to give you guys a taste of. Some of the things that we will be talking about at the event, we're planning to have panels and discussions with you guys. And today's topic really touches upon an overlapping theme that we unconsciously or consciously realize that all of our podcasts really touch upon in some way or another. And it's the idea and this feeling of transitions, transitions in your life, being in that transitional period. And specifically, you want to talk about starting over because girl, guys out there, let me just tell you. Every single one of these ladies have been through such a journey just to get to where they are now. Even talking in person with them and already hearing and knowing their stories, like this is exactly why we wanted to talk about it today more in depth so that you guys know that you're not alone in this. And starting over doesn't have to feel like, you know, you're starting from ground zero and it's all about perspective. So yeah, we wanted to share just some examples from our lives of how we started over, whether that's in relationships, in the career, or just life in general. And just coming from a place of feeling lost, feeling like, what am I doing? You're feeling behind and just really intimidated at the thought of why would I just risk it all to go towards something that I don't know what that is? Or even if you do know what that is, you feel scared by what will come from it. So let's start with Regina. (laughs) (laughs) You have been the chosen one. Oh, man. You could kick it off for us. Tell us about your experience of starting over. Mm -hmm. When I was thinking through this topic, I was trying to think of like the main like kind of starting over transitions in my life. And there are definitely several. The main ones I think I'll focus on are just like the fact that I moved to New York and then I moved back to LA. I think the buildup of going to New York, you know, I've talked about many times over, but, you know, I started in medicine, kind of did circles in that path for a while before finally deciding to leave and just officially pursue media and entertainment because that's what really spoke to me and what I was really, really passionate about. And then I moved to New York and moving to New York, I think that transition was difficult, but in a different way. Like going there was exciting and it felt right. And I think I was really motivated. And I know that was only like five years ago, but I look back at it and I'm like, oh man, I was so much younger then. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot less fear in me. So I think that that transition was definitely easier for me to process than I would say like the transition that I'm going through now. But I think for me, starting over in LA was... Oh, there are so many emotions behind it. I think coming back, it was comfortable to be here. I had my family here and I kind of fell into comfort. And I think in that process, I kind of feel like I lost a little bit of myself because I became very unsure of what I wanted. And that was the first time that had happened. Like I feel like through college and going to New York, like I told myself and my friends and my family, like this is what I wanted. Not to say that I didn't want to come back to LA, but it just felt 
felt different. And Mm -hmm. I think that I started to get really confused. I let my fears really take over and doubts of like what I was really capable of. And then I was unable to see like my strengths and was only starting to focus on my weaknesses. I described it kind of like feeling like in quicksand. Like I just Mm -hmm. felt like I was sinking. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of starting over and, you know, transitions feel like because you don't feel like you're standing on solid ground. It's a new transition. And like, even though LA is home to me, it's still different being back like as an adult. So I think that like, this is still a transition that I feel like I'm currently going through, but it's definitely scary, overwhelming. There's so many fears and doubts and yeah, you just feel very overwhelmed a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something where all those feelings that you just described very much are usually associated with feeling stuck or when you're in this transitional period. What about you, Janet? Just like listening to Regina, I'm looking at my outline and I'm like, yes, check, yes, check. (laughs) I have a lot of different transitions that I've gone through, but I relate a lot to Regina in the story of Southern California girl moving to New York and trying to transition into different careers and different location and that quicksand feeling. Um, And then I did actually come back to L.A. So I grew up in Orange County and I went to school in San Diego, UCSD, and I studied math and economics. So similar to Regina, probably a topic that is very safe for Asian American culture. And it's very, Mm -hmm. it's very typical, something you could get a good solid job in or a good career (laughs) in right after. Right. Right. And so after school, I did have kind of a desire to go to a bigger city. And so I, I kind of went a little bit on the safer route and chose San Francisco versus New York was something I kind of dreamed about in high school. But just wasn't the most feasible going from coast to coast, especially from the school that I went to. There weren't very many connections. But I started in San Francisco and I went into work at a big four company working in tax, something really boring, <laughs> but very <laughs> exciting. But, important, Janet. It's so yeah. important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to downplay for anyone that works in that. It's it's great. It's just I think for me it was I felt like I was doing the default behaviors and Mm -hmm. had also up until this point, because you're in school, like you have structure and I was always just working towards, I had very clear default goals for myself. Once I got there and I still distinctly remember like only being there for maybe like three to four days and already feeling like, oh my God, I don't, Mm. I don't like this. Mm. I don't think this is for me. It was actually really overwhelming. Like that quicksand feeling, I actually felt that there because it was like I worked so hard for this thing and now this thing doesn't feel like it's the right thing, but I have no idea what to do. Like what are my alternatives? That was a transition, right? Going from school, college into my first job and the first period of feeling like, okay, this is not what I want to do, but I don't really know what else to do. Mm -hmm. I still, and this is something I would give advice for anyone who's going through a period of transition is if you're unhappy to like try to figure out why you're unhappy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't Mm want to just like jump ship from my job because I knew on a gut level that this is not what I wanted, but I couldn't quite articulate the reasons why yet. And so I Mm -hmm. wanted to stay long enough to, to kind of feel like I wasn't necessarily sinking in quicksand, but at least that I was like, I would still be in the quicksand, but I wasn't sinking anymore. (laughs) You know, so I was trying to achieve (laughs) at least some state of stasis. And so that took about two and a half years. And then the Mm. trigger for what made me leave is actually a dude I was dating, which maybe sounds cliched for women, (laughs) but it was actually, uh, I mean, we were dating, but we were also really good friends. And I left because he really inspired me with his own kind of career trajectory. He had also started out working in more of a traditional company on the marketing side. 
and then took the initiative to self-study in graphic design and actually move across the country. He was from Ohio and came to San Francisco to enroll in like graphic design program Mm -hmm. while also teaching himself on the weekends and starting his own like consultancy essentially and was like pitching pretty Mm -hmm. solid clients. And I just spending a lot of time talking to him, he's like, look, you know, you're not happy. There's a lot of possibilities. I feel like you have a creative inclination, like you should explore this. And it's hard to explore it when you're like, in a state of unhappiness and, you know, in a a job takes up so much of your life, right? So if you're Mm -hmm. there and you're unhappy, it's kind of hard to kind of think out of the box. So if I could do this over, I actually have now transitioned multiple times, but I've learned that to maybe be a little bit more planned about it. But there's a saying that it's like, there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes like, I feel like in a lot of my earlier transitions, people are like, oh, you're so brave to like, leave this job and do that or then to like move across the country. I was like, yeah, but in all honesty, I kind of didn't really know all of the potential consequences. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know how bad that quicksand feeling could get. Because when I went to New York, it got real bad. Right. But you (laughs) but when you don't know, you're kind of like, okay, like I'll I'll go. And so some of the thoughts that I generally have before any major transition is like you're excited and you're a little nervous, but you're generally like, at least when I was younger, I I was much more like energized. And then when I actually made the leap and left my job and I I was still in the beginning stages, like really excited and exploring things that I enjoyed, interested in like social entrepreneurship. So I found a group that hosted events, like large scale international event for social entrepreneurs and went and did like an internship with them thinking that this would be a good opportunity for me to like learn all about the industry and then maybe try to find a job out of it. And I learned about three, three to six months in that that was not going to be a sustainable way to be able to survive in San Francisco and pay myself. <laughs> so then it was kind of like, okay, I made that transition and now I'm hitting another wall. So what am I going to do? Then kind of made the decision to, because of like financial constraints, right? Like there's like kind of the, when you're making transitions, like what type of things are you trying to fulfill and what are your goals? And the first was when I left my first job to look for something else, it was to satiate like a more meaning in my work. But then now it was like, okay, I feel like there's meaning, but I, I can't sustain a lifestyle that I would want. So then the financial mm. aspect kicks in. So then like, okay, I'll look more in like, what is a general industry that's typical for where I know I can make money, at least to the degree that I would need, and also maybe allow me still some creativity. So I looked into uh, advertising. And this was also with the guidance of my friend who was like, you know what, you want to do something creative, but you don't really want to go back to school. You have a background in like analytical work. Why don't you use that background and then just find an industry that's more creative? So then I embarked on this adventure that I signed up for like a 10-week boot camp program in Miami. And basically, I was like, okay, then I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to fulfill that, like, kind of uh, (laughs) stepping back a little bit. When I said that in high school, I had this dream to go to New York, and I kind of played it safe. Once I left my job and I was, like, doing these things, I'm like, you know what? I've started this mission, so might as well go balls to the walls, right? Like, I'm just going to (laughs) go. So then I was like, okay, might as well. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to – I'm going to move across the country and try to change an entire industry and go to a place where I don't really know anyone. Um, And (laughs) so many changes at once. It's Yeah, yeah, right? And, uh, you know, you're like, it's stupidity versus bravery. I don't know. You can choose which one it was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was like – it sounds brave. It really does yeah, sound brave. It, it, does. it sounds, it sounds. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you lived it. Yeah. But actually, and that was a big takeaway that I, I figured out was when you make a big change, having uprooting 
multiple aspects of your life at one time is actually not a good strategy. If I was like moving across the country, I should have maybe done it with a steady job, like change from, you know, like one company from LA to New York. Or if I was going to totally change up my work, then move to a city where like I know people or I already have established housing. Because the thing with New York is like, they say you're always kind of interviewing for one of three things, or if not all three things, your job, a roommate or a living situation or like dating. Like all three of those, you're constantly, (laughs) it's like constantly a shift and you're always selling yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I showed up in New York and I I booked an Airbnb for two weeks and I was trying to get like an apartment, but I'm also trying to get a job. And if you were trying to interview for a job in New York, in LA, they don't want you. You need to be living there. But then if you want to get an apartment in New York, they don't want to take you in as a roommate if you don't have a job. So Mm. (laughs) it's a little bit of a catch-22. Oh, logistical challenges, my friend. Yes. Exactly. So I talked about kind of before having major transitions, the thoughts and, you know, you're like excited, but you also have nerves, but you're generally pretty like amped up. And then once I got there and I started seeing this reality, I felt like my experience was such a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. There were days where, and I started journaling because of this, because I was like, seriously, I feel like I'm going crazy. Like there were some days where I was so happy because I was like, I'm in New York City and this is so amazing. And I'm just like walking down the street. And then the very next day, it's like the reality of like, oh my God, I got rejected from like 10 of the housing applications. I just went to coffee with three different people for an interview. I'm exhausted. I have no job. And it was just this back and forth constantly. And so that was like very, very tumultuous for me. That sounds like Regina when she <laughs> I'm like, oh, girl, I, I know the feels. <laughs> I think I was a little luckier in the fact that I had friends that I stayed with rather than that like two week Airbnb window. Yeah. But yeah, I was meeting with people for coffee constantly. And they're like, yeah, we'll let you know. And like, oh, my yeah. God, the amount of times I heard you will let you know or you're like, yep. yeah, just email me or it just felt like I was constantly like knocking on like closed doors. Yep, exactly. And just going down the row. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah. it's such a shot to your confidence and to your like sense of self when you're it's hard enough just to be interviewing for a job. But then like, I was like interviewing for a roommate and then people were like, oh, how is the dating scene in New York? I was like, police. I was not I could not even think about guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I'm trying just, to survive, homie. Yeah, like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to feed myself and house myself. <laughs> I'm not trying to date. <laughs> well, some people actually might look at dating as a strategy. Like, can I get a Oh, can we, I can, can we eat dinner or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can definitely relate to Regina's story in that way in terms of trying to make that shift into New York. And Regina, when you talked about leaving New York and how transitioning back to LA, my experience with that, like, I actually felt like I had a hard time distinguishing whether I felt like if it was a positive choice for me to leave or if I felt defeated. Mm. And I was conflicted because a lot of my friends that I met in New York who had come from the West Coast and specifically Southern California, they all said, look, I know it sucks, but you'll love it in a year. Mm. And I kind of was thinking to myself, like, does it take that long for you to start loving it? Or is it, I mean, is that a signal that you need to adapt? Or is Mm. that just that you kind of give in to the shittiness? (laughs) <laughs> and then, and so then, right? And so I was like, my gut was telling me I'm not happy here. And I was actually already thinking also like the advertising industry, I was starting to feel my gut like that. This is not really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So it was like the head versus the gut. Mm-hmm. Like in hindsight, when I think about coming back from New York or leaving and making that choice, like I feel like it's less of a failure because I was kind of following my gut versus what I was hearing from people around me. And mm-hmm. that's something that I would say for people who are transitioning, like, 
sometimes something feels like a failure initially, but give it a couple years and you might shift how you view that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So good. So good. <laughs> I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that New York it just does things to people. Like people yes. either love it or they hate it. Like I've had so many friends visit and they're like, oh my God, I could never live here. I was one of them. Yeah. yeah. Christine, she literally it. showed up. She's like, I don't want to go outside. She, she <laughs> literally stayed in my apartment and ordered Postmates. She's like, I'm good with this. <laughs> but like, and then I have other friends who just love it and like they love that energy. But it is a city that can like chew you up and spit you out. And it is not for the lighthearted, I would say. Yeah. Some people like to go there once or twice a year just to plug into the energy and then come back to California like myself. That's my dream. (laughs) I think that's a good tactic. I feel like New York definitely has, I mean, there were really positive things about it. I think that for a place to visit or to have like to spend periods of time, but I think I also went out there like, and maybe this was a little bit on me and for anyone who is like making a big transition to think thoroughly like what is your goal and Mm. I kind of gave myself the open door to think that I could move here permanently forever and that felt overwhelming Mm. versus like telling myself oh give it like x amount of time I kept it so open-ended and so it felt so every little thing was like oh my god this is the rest of my life yeah yeah Yeah. that's so true (laughs) yeah I feel like everything that you shared Janet was so on the nose of like what it feels like to start over what it feels like when you're in the middle in between jobs in between like just that period and just feeling like what the hell am I doing the great analogy of the quicksands like the faster you want to move the slower that you find yourself moving (laughs) because you're just like I don't know how to move forward Want to stay up to date on the latest news but don't have time? The Newsworthy is a great daily podcast that keeps you up to date with everything you need to know in less than 10 minutes. Unlike many news sources that can leave you feeling depressed, The Newsworthy is fast, fair, and fun. Search for The Newsworthy wherever you listen to your podcasts or go to thenewsworthy.com to check it out. So Minji, you have quite a story and yeah, let's jump into all the things that you've been through and like how to start over on. Well, it's funny, actually, I was thinking like the transition or starting over story would be focused on a relationship that ended during a career change. And that's why I was like really moved by what Regina and Janet shared, because it was my life, I feel like has been a series of just overlapping things. And my transitions, like at least career wise, I was always like starting something while I was transitioning out of something like I and that's why I think Janet, you're incredibly brave. And it's such a bold move to jump ship in that way without the kind of safety net that like in my own way that I kind of built for myself in terms of a career. But yeah, I mean, this last year for me going freelance from having a full time job and in my 30s becoming like a freelance artist is the last thing that I or my family or anybody around me really thought that I would be doing. So that's been extremely challenging. And I've been ruminating a lot on just the mental health consequences of not having 
any idea of what I was getting myself into. And to be honest, like, I definitely think I could have done a lot of due diligence asking around and asking people for advice. And I'm sure that people have been and they have been extremely generous, like giving me pointers on what I could do. And I think those logistical things are really important to just research and Google and set up any sort of plan to help yourself, like be your own advocate and be your own support system that if you know you're not going to have a paycheck for, you know, the foreseeable future, which is terrifying, um, <laughs> you're right. you know, have a backup job or give yours. I know I had like a six month window. like, if you don't start getting some kind of traction and by traction, I mean X, Y, and Z, you're going to start applying for full-time jobs. And so helping myself in that way, having some sort of plan was really helpful. But I think just having a mental health plan, like start meditating, start the little things add up so much. But my story actually that I was thinking could be a supplement to Regina and Janet's stories that are really career focused. One that I haven't really shared that much at all, but I'm willing to because I love all of you and it's safe space. And um, basically when I was in collaboration, I was executive director of collaboration, which is this nonprofit that is focused on discovering and elevating Asian American artists. I had started doing that as a volunteer. And I started the San Francisco chapter of this when I was working full-time in public health. So I was transitioning out of this like nine to five world And I was doing public health, which is what I'd studied. And I had switched over from pre-med, like holler at the science nerds, Regina, I love you. (laughs) This is when I started dabbling in the arts because I wanted to be an actor since I was a little kid. And I was just obsessed with pop culture and music and YouTube. And I wanted to be in that arena. So I started volunteering with that in 2009. So it's 10 years ago. But during that time, I started dating somebody that I knew from collaboration. And, you know, in so many ways, it was like such a beautiful relationship. We were both directors of different chapters and we like fell in love through this volunteer work that we were doing. And so that way, we're incredibly aligned in like our views of the world. And we were both doing such cool things for our direct communities. And I think it was such a really beautiful time in my life, but all the transitions that I was going through as a person. So not just on the front of like being in my twenties, like that time, I think for anybody is a very, it's a roller coaster, you know? I mean, life doesn't stop being a roller coaster, but the twenties is like this really big surge of independence that you are really in self-discovery mode and really in Mm -hmm. experimenting road and exploration, right? And you don't know Mm -hmm. what the outcomes of all your choices are going to be. And there's still a lot of question marks that you have and things that you don't have answered. So, you know, we dated for, I think about three years. So it was a really serious relationship. He moved to San Francisco to be with me. You know, we were madly in love and best friends. You know, we were like, he was like my best friend. And he was the one when I was offered the collaboration global role, which was, again, I was working corporate. So even in that time, in those three years, I'd switched out of public health to working in tech. So I was working tech nine to five and running collaboration. And I started dabbling in acting at that time. So I was triple hustling. But that's what you do in your 20s. You you have so much energy and you can do it everything because you're a super person. (laughs) You're still doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Old habits die hard, you guys. But it was a challenge, you know. And so there were a lot of things that were pulling at me and a lot of things that I wanted to do. I was, I was very ambitious with like the vision, the grand vision of my life. And I kept meeting people that were so inspiring and that were like, you know, celebrities in my mind. And now they're becoming friends and learning about their journeys. I was like, oh my gosh, like you did it. Like maybe I can do it. And the Mm. self-actualizing was happening at a very rapid rate. And it was really great. But life is life, you know. And my boyfriend at the time was going through a lot of hardship in his life. 
And, you know, we loved each other and we're working so hard to like make that work as much as any two people can love each other in any best situation. Life is still it's an ongoing evolution, right? You cannot predict Mm -hmm. what's going to happen next. You don't know what life circumstance is going to come your way. What family member will get sick. He was dealing with so much with his job and with his parents and his dad being ill. And, you know, as a partner, you take that on too. like willingly, you want to be there for that person. And during that time, I basically took this big leap of starting over, quote unquote, to leave behind all corporate or nine to five security and become global executive director of all of collaboration, Mm -hmm. which to me was so much more than a job because it was what had inspired me for so many years to take all these risks and watching people in my direct community self-actualize their dreams. Like I looked at that as like one of the most important things I could do in taking this job and why I doubted myself so much because I was like, this is so huge. I can't do this. Like they're asking the wrong person. But then was a part of me that was like, I really want to at least try. Like I'll kick my butt when I'm 80 that I didn't even give it a shot. And then, you know, beautifully, you know, ironically, he was the one that like believed in me. He's like, you can do this. Are you crazy? Like you've got this. So I, you know, I took the plunge and like right when that happened was when a lot of things in our lives, like in our families and work life fell apart and it got really, really difficult. You're trying to live your day to day. You're trying to support yourself and you're trying to support this other person that you care about while also figuring out who the heck you are. It's a really tall order. You know, one of the hardest decisions that I made was to end that relationship I was so terrified and I felt so much guilt and fear and like just sadness. You know, it's not something I volunteered to want, have had all these difficult things happen. And in retrospect, there's so many things that are clear now, you know, now that I'm grown a little bit more and can see things more clearly. I just remember feeling a little bit like I was drowning. Mm. It was like Mm -hmm. such a hard decision. And so to start over as a single person, but not only as a single person to like start over as myself to figure out who the heck I actually am and how to operate on my own while still being the leader in this organization that up until that time was built with him. He was the reason like Mm. he was in that with me since day one, pretty much. And to go continue that and start over without him was one of the hardest things I had to do. And I've been through hard things, you know, like I left an abusive relationship, you know, that was five years when I was a teenager. And see, again, those like lead, they catch up with you. You know, there are so many things in my life that I think I just went on to the next thing really quickly. And I am a total hopeless romantic emphasis on hopeless, I would, you know, fall in love. And I would just in that way, be very courageous and like, just go for it. But sometimes without stopping to breathe for myself and like, is this too much for me? Am I able to think? Am I able to figure out what my boundaries are? Am I able to like say no? I just would kind of go. And so there's, you know, double-edged sword to a lot of things, but it was just a really overwhelming time. And relationships are so personal and so intimate. And as many girlfriends as I could confide in, you know, I have such amazing women and men in my life. You know, they can't make that decision for me. And they can't know Mm -hmm. what it is that I'm feeling. And they don't know what the vision for my life is or what truly I think instinctually is going to make me happy or what I need. So those are really, you know, hard personal choices that people make. And sometimes I don't even know whether to call it right or wrong. You know, I don't know whether to say that was like the right or wrong decision. It was extremely painful. 
It took a lot of years, to be honest, to like get right about that decision because I carried so much guilt and like sadness and pain because we stopped talking after that. I basically, you know, lost my best friend. And so, yeah, it's just but starting over. It's seriously a day by day thing. You have to figure out and realign with yourself and learn how to truly take care of yourself, not just on like a feeding yourself level how to just survive, but how to be okay with decisions that you make, you know, like look at yourself and be like, I did what I believed was best for me at that point. And then choose to make the best of it. You know what I mean? That's like a day-to-day thing that I think is part of starting over and transitioning from one part of your life into the next. Right. And thank you guys so much for sharing glimpses of these really, really momentous periods of your life that obviously have happened for a reason and getting to the stage of the women that you guys are now. It's all part of it, but it's always been part of you guys as well. So hearing all the different examples of courage and bravery or, you know, what Janice says could be stupidity, you know, if it's a personal (laughs) look at it. But all of that is shown in so many different facets of like the way that you guys showed up, the decision that you guys made. And I guess my question to you guys, and I'm sure a lot of people listening is like, well, what made you guys listen to your gut? Because you guys said that in many different ways, because when you're in that transitional period, and you're thinking about starting over or starting to move on to make basically progress, like what did you guys tell yourself? What did you guys do in order to push forward? For me personally, I'm someone who I've noticed a pattern like I look at things analytically, like I will have to think through the pros and cons and I'll have multiple conversations with family members and friends and I do all of my research. But then the very last decision, I tend to always go with how I feel. And part of it, I think, is because all of the research and the thinking feeds into my gut reaction. But yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of nail down like what it is. But usually at the end of the day, it's just like I do all the information collecting and I do all the thinking and all the talking. And then I just make the choice that feels mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Minji, with you know your example of having to make that really, really tough decision of breaking up with someone that you love so deeply and had been such an instrument in what your life was at the time? Like as hard as it was, how did you push forward? That period of my life was an important lesson in a lot of what Janet just said about what feels the most right for you. I think a lot of women get programmed to be sacrificial and to be programmed to put yourself second or even third or just last. You know what I mean? Like it's this very subliminal subconscious programming of how can I better accommodate you? How can I make your life easier? How can I do the least harm to you and to everybody else? But then being that way, it can be so considerate and so altruistic and generous and kind. You can completely lose yourself in that aspect. So I think I... For me, I had to mature a lot and force myself to ask some hard questions of myself. Like, am I really happy in this? Do I see a light at the end of the tunnel? Am I doing everything that I think I could to make it right? And after that, I think that was a big deal for me, just holding myself to a certain standard of like, I feel like I need to have at least tried everything I could to make it work. And at that time, you know, with whatever tools I had at my disposal, I tried to talk and figure out, can we make this better? And then at some point, accept responsibility that no one can control the outcome of my life except for me. 
to accept responsibility for that. Sometimes you don't want that responsibility. You're like, you fix it. If yeah. you if you <laughs> cannot be better, then like, I don't know what to do, you know? And that's a very, <laughs> I get it. I totally get the feeling, but it's kind of like you're relinquishing all power of your own ability to run your life, you know? And it's kind of like this weird cop-out and sometimes like playing victim, you know, like, oh, everything was so terrible. Like I had no other choice. And I really had to accept responsibility. Like, this is how this might go. And this is because you're choosing to do it. I had to have that kind of talk. And that was the beginning of me really being more real with myself. And then also, again, because it was tearing me up so much to make that effort and then accept the reality. Like, I think I did everything I could. And then now I cannot control the outcome of this. I can only control what's good or best for me. And I have to choose me for once. And I feel like I have, and it's, it honestly, it sucked. It's not like it's the rosy path, but for me, like having integrity and feeling like I wasn't a complete dick and didn't at least try and that I was a coward that didn't sit well with me. So I can definitely relate to that in terms of what helps you make the decision is like, there was something in you that wanted to try for that. Right. And so needing to make sure that you could sleep with yourself at night. Wait, that is that not the saying? <laughs> or like or like look at look at yourself in the mirror every day. Um or like or like on <laughs> I don't okay. I, get you. I hear you, Janet. <laughs> at the end of your life when you're 80 years old, like right. how would you feel about your decision? So in, in Mindy's case it was like in a relationship and what you did with that. For me it was like having tried everything that I could to explore the potential of what I wanted to do in terms of a career, right? Or in terms of a lifestyle. So maybe for some of the listeners in terms of like helping you make decisions, right? Like when we talk about how elusive this gut feeling is, like one question you can ask yourself is like, what feels like I cannot not do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is such it's a really, really great point. Because like, I know that's why it's hard to be like, well, it's trust your gut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Shut up. Like, what does that even mean? You know, because you doubt yourself. You're like, oh, I've been wrong. But everything that I hear you guys saying and including what I've been through is that this whole process, especially in your 20s, and we say in our 20s because that's when you are coming to a sense of self. You're starting to ask these questions for a reason. You're feeling these things for a reason. So now there's a sense of not feeling aligned in some way, but this is all part of getting to know yourself better. And a lot of times some people like me and sounds like with us, like you don't know until you try. Exactly. I, I don't I don't yeah. know how I'm going to react in the new job, in a new career path, in a new relationship. I don't know. There's something in me, like Janet said, that is not sitting well. That's what I did too. I really thought to myself, am I going to regret this when I'm on my deathbed? Like if I had just tried that, if I had just done it and just been brave. And that's usually whenever I think that, whenever I have to ask myself that, I usually do it. In my 20s, a lot of times I would think, well, doing the decision because I'm very much like Janet where I just did it with no backup plans you know because I just felt like oh I just gotta do it and then while I'm doing it I'm like oh my god what am I doing you know and I just feel like I shouldn't have done this but of course everything in hindsight makes more sense and understanding now not to say that you know oh now everything's peachy and all that but it's a process of elimination in a way and then as you get older and you really pick up on the patterns and behaviors and understanding what is it that you're learning from these experiences that you get to take away hopefully take away as you get older decisions that are more aligned with you because you feel that quicker you know you're able to pinpoint it better versus in your 20s you're asking these questions because 
it makes sense. A lot of people have not had much life experience before they move out for college, mm-hmm. right? So, Regina, when you moved to New York, I know that <laughs> your parents didn't want you to go. A lot of us were like, are you sure? So, <laughs> like, for you, what was it that you were like, you know what? Shut up. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look back at that time and I'm like, man, I wish I had that confidence now. <laughs> um, I look, I mean, I really, really relate to a lot of what Minji and Janet said. I don't know. There was just something in me that felt so sheltered. I felt like I was just really playing it safe and I hadn't had that experience. I mean, you know, you guys keep talking about your 20s and I'm still in my 20s, you know, and so I'm still trying to figure that out and I'm doing the best that I can. But I really think that at that time, I just really felt fearless. And, you know, I kind of told myself like, oh, I'll do New York for like two, three years and, you know, I'll figure it out. But I ended up staying out there for four and a half years. So like, again, I also didn't really have a plan, but it somehow worked out. But I think that now coming back, like, it feels different. And I feel like I'm not as bold and as fearless as before. And I get in my own head and I overthink everything. And I think the first few months was a little bit of a pity party to myself where I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, oh, take it easy. And like, oh, it's okay. Like you're going through this big transition. And I think it was really easy on myself. But then I think that I saw myself remaining stagnant and not going anywhere. And then I started to feel this kind of push in me to be like, I know that you're better better than this, you know, like better than just sitting at home and waiting for things to happen to you. Like that's not how it was when I went to New York. When I went to New York, I went out and happened to things. And then now at home, I'm just sitting here and just like, oh, la-di-da, like, let me just do some research and then watch some YouTube videos, you know? Like I was a lot less motivated. It took me a couple months to realize I was like doing a disservice to myself. And like while I was not going out there and happening to things, I feel like I started doubting myself even more because I was less able to see my capabilities. And I became even more insecure because I was like, the longer that I'm kind of doing, quote unquote, like my own thing, the less I'm interacting with other people and learning. And I just felt like I wasn't growing at all. It took me a while and I'm still in this process right now to just kind of feed into, I know I'm going to use the word again, gut feeling, (laughs) but it's just something within you that is kind of screaming for so long, like what Minji said, like, I just tried to be agreeable. I didn't want to cause a ruckus. Like my parents even gave me the word Jing in my Chinese name, which means quiet because they wanted me to kind of go with the flow. Right. Which is hilarious. Cause now like, you know, they're like, why can't you shut up? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I think that like, that's what I was always taught. And so I always tried to be agreeable and I always tried to go with the flow, but I feel like now it feels like a pivotal point in my life where I'm tired of going with the flow and I'm tired of just doing what other people tell me to do and what I think is the right thing to do. And I'm going with it. You know, I think that I really would regret not pursuing this podcast and pursuing my clothing line if I didn't try. I was so scared to try when I came back because I was like, oh, all my friends are moving ahead. They're all getting married. They're all, you know, getting their promotions at their jobs and slowly moving up. And I'm starting over. And that was like such a defeating feeling, especially since, you know, they're all like, I'm married. I know who I'm going to have a kid with. And I'm just sitting out here like, 
oh my God, what I, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I, everything is just so overwhelming. Well, as a 33-year-old woman speaking to you, because I know I know exactly, actually a lot of the things that you're saying were things that were running through my head. And especially when I came back from New York mm-hmm. and you were out there for four and a half years. Yeah. I was out there for like eight months. Right? <laughs> uh, but even in that state, like because I left my common path and pursued mm-hmm. and tried different things, I oftentimes in those like six years after college, felt behind. But what you learn is that actually you'll start seeing this in as short as like three years or so that everyone's path is so different. And people who are on a path now are going to fall off and other people who are off a path are going to fall in. Mm -hmm. So life is very nonlinear. Yeah. And you Mm -hmm. will see that more and more. Like it'll be much more clear in your 30s. So I think for any listeners out there in your 20s, (laughs) A, if you're thinking you're playing the comparison game, which is natural because right now you guys are only a couple years out of school. A lot of people have are on very common paths. But you'll see pretty soon. Everyone just disperses. Everyone does. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's important what you're saying, Regina, because I relate to that still. You know, I'm 34 Mm -hmm. and still unmarried, no kids. And my friends are on their second and third children right now. And like, you know, again, but I also realize in terms of paying attention to like my instinct, but also differentiating what gut feelings and instincts are versus fears and anxieties. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. those things can get so blurry where it's literally just fear trying to protect you for whatever like beautiful evolutionary reason it does it's trying to protect you from doing something that might harm you so like fear and anxiety is a normal part of that but it can get very influential if you will it can influence Mm -hmm. a lot of what you're going to do and also on the same note because you're kind of looking for more reasons to further solidify that fear confirmation bias is so real. We could have this insecurity and we could have this fear and we can just find a gazillion examples of how that is true, quote unquote, around us when, and I would say that so much, honestly, still till now, like, oh, everyone's doing this and everyone's succeeding and everyone's booking gigs and everyone's got a great agent and everyone's got a loving partner. I was like, no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) People have different versions of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. People have different relationships with their families and they have different relationships with their partner and themselves and with their jobs. And everyone's in flux, man. But confirmation bias is real. And it's just something to think about, you know, just think about if what you are thinking is factually correct. Because if you're thinking something over and over and you're believing it and it's not true, is that helping or hurting you? Probably hurting you. Yeah. A hundred percent. I would say I always go back at the end of the day to like remind yourself when you said like, if I flash forward like 80 years, I needed to have done this, right? And it's those decisions that you make that really form and shape you as a person and taking responsibility for them, which might seem negative now. I think that when you wait a couple of years and you realize kind of how it might flip, it will shape you as a person and it differentiates you. So mm-hmm. just be mm-hmm. patient. Yeah. <laughs> patient yeah. Yeah. And I think that right now I'm kind of in that process of not letting fear drive everything that I do and mm. drive my mindset. And it's a process. <laughs> but right. I think that I just do go back to, you know, what speaks to me? What message am I trying to get out there? And yeah, I'm probably going to make mistakes along the way, but that's just helping shape me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think it's redefining those terms that we grew up with, the idea of failure, the idea of mistakes, 
there's this whole negative connotation to it when really it's such a pivotal experience for us to grow into who we're supposed to be and who we are. You know, I know there's like that difference, like, well, who am I supposed to be? Why can't I just accept myself for who I am? Well, it's all part of the process. Who you are right now, the mistakes that you've made, quote unquote mistakes that you've made, like these are all part of you. The whole idea is not the mistake. <laughs> like you're missing the point. It's like, what is it that you're learning from that? Why are you reacting that way? What does that say about you? And that it could be an indication that it's a fear-based thing. We talked about triggers before, but it's like identifying your triggers and patterns is such a key point in your evolution as a person, because you're going to see that your life is made up of habits, unconscious habits. And when you really focus on that, you can really see and pinpoint why your life is the way it is. So as much as we, I've been conditioned to like to blame external circumstances or other people, when you think of it of like, I usually tend to do this when I'm scared. I tend to do this when I'm avoiding something. And therefore the consequences to those actions result in my life because those patterns make up my life. So then what are some ways that you no longer want to do that anymore? And what are ways that you can slowly pivot and change? And it is through experiencing different things. I think we all cited our age, right? But yeah, now being 35, it's like, I think my biggest takeaway up to this point is just don't attach yourself to the outcome. Like I completely missed the point on so many of these life experiences because I'm like, that didn't happen the way I dreamed or thought it would. And therefore I'm a failure. Therefore I'm not meant for this. Therefore I suck. Therefore, etc. right? And I make all these conclusions and just like Minji said, it's confirmation bias because I was already walking in with a certain perspective. And it's not about the outcome. It's not about if you get the job or if you find the love of your life. Like none of those things, material, tangible things will ever amount to you being completely happy or fulfilled. That is a process that I think every single person on this planet goes through in their own way and finding that out in their own way. And some people never want to believe it <laughs> because I think the world and the media does such a good job of selling us things that we think once we really believe that. Actually, so Christine, going along with what you're saying, one of my biggest takeaways from all of these multiple transitions that I've gone through is to stop associating my identity and my value with the circumstance of my life. So good. Yeah. I've learned mm. that like I am that person who needs to do things to really figure out if I like it or not. And I do need to like experiment to figure that out. But I think it's to be able to separate yourself with what's happening in your life or what you're obtaining or what you're doing. Like none of those things are you. Like that's the part where, you know, diving into a deeper level, each layer that you keep diving and learning more about yourself, it really starts to like unpeel layers of who you thought you're supposed to be and who you are and what we've come to know as our personality. You know, it's like, oh, this is just who I am. This is what I am. But you're none of those things. It sounds very abstract, but essentially it's like nothing that you ever do will define you as in like you know Janet was kind of going into the success and failures and stuff like none of that is real like the idea of failing or being successful is defined by yourself 
honestly. If you want to go off of the world's definition of what a failure is, what a success is, then you'll never be happy because you're going off of somebody else's standards that you don't even know how to measure up to. We've said this before, but like you're supposed to not know. Even someone who's 90 still doesn't know. Right. Because I I think there are things that you can know for yourself. And again, you can't know for others all the time, but you can know for yourself. And as soon as you know one thing, you're going to not know the next thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's a constant transition in life. And one of the, on a more like concrete life hacky kind of thing, I want to contribute because this is something that when I started being more attentive to how I felt about certain situations or different decisions that I have to make, I started really resenting the word should. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. It's this very powerful word that people throw around a lot and they don't consciously realize how powerful that word is when you say, oh, you should do this. And my question being being like a rebellious little brat sometimes, I'm just like, (laughs) says who? Like, who said? Who said should? (laughs) Who said I should? (laughs) The thing that I found with myself is that I found myself using that to myself a lot. Oh, like, Mindy, you mm-hmm. should do mm-hmm. this and you should do that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be so opinionated or you should do this for your parents or you're a bad daughter, you know? And so right. I just kind of broke up with that word a little bit. We're seeing other people. <laughs> and I was, I basically heard this really cool thing on YouTube and it was just a reframing of the idea. Instead of saying the word should, which creates automatic resistance because it sounds like something that you're supposed to be doing, but you don't want to. That's what should sounds like. I basically Mm -hmm. literally just changed the word to I'd like to. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to be healthier. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be more fit. I would like to eat better. I would like to drink more water instead of saying I should drink more water. That's like I should, Mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna. You know, or like no, (laughs) to yourself. Yeah. So I literally like psychologically brain hacking myself to help myself. No, I think it would be good Mm -hmm. if I drink more water. I think it'd be great if I took a freaking break once in a while. And instead of saying I should take a break, be like, I think I'd like to take a break. I'd like to take a break, like a five minute break. And for some reason, I just flow with that, you know, and Regina, Mm -hmm. we're saying like, go with the flow. Helping myself flow with myself has actually been Mm -hmm. really helpful for me the last, I mean, like three, four years that I've been trying to consciously more incorporate that word. Because I was like, I hate this word. (laughs) I really love that. No, I love that so much. I feel like, especially growing up in an Asian household, there are so many things that you should do as said by our parents. And I think that I always just followed that. Growing up, I look back and I'm like, I didn't really think for myself. I just let other people make decisions for me. And this is the time where that inner gut feeling that I have is like conflicting with Mm -hmm. what I was told to do all of these years. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you're putting the power back into your own hands because mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. deciding for yourself that this is what I like to do, a more uplifting energy versus for somebody else or external voices or wherever that you should is coming from, you know, because the you should really sounds like something that somebody else is telling you or that you've internalized in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe people don't have as bad of a relationship with that word that, as I do. <laughs> just oh my God. <laughs> Girl, when you're talking, I just talked about this with Regina. I was like talking to my life coach about my (laughs) the same feelings of I hate being told what to do and this resistance to it but Mm -hmm. yeah just like a very adverse reaction to that so I really want to know like as a friend and a sister what are the lessons that you've learned about your guys self 
throughout these starting over transitional periods. So I think I talked earlier about being someone who needs to try things to really figure out if I like them. So one thing I've learned about myself is that I will be someone who throughout my life has multiple large transitions. So accepting that and being okay with that and realizing then that I need to learn how to ride these waves Mm. is something that I've learned about myself. And a key way that I've learned to navigate that is to really try to be patient and kind to myself. Mm. Because I think we talked a lot about you have like, you know, self-judgment voices, right? Like it's kind of like what Minji is saying, you're reframing a should to an I like to, to really have a sense of ownership over viewing the things that you're doing, the decisions that you're making as really your own and just being patient with yourself. Something that I have learned about people who do go through lots of transitions And maybe transitions, especially that are departures from like what they've been taught is right or what a lot of other people are doing. And if they feel like it's like they're questioning whether the decision is right or wrong, is that it builds a strong sense of humility and empathy. And I I can definitely say that like when I say the difference of when I was much younger and you have all this energy and you're kind of bright eyed and bushy tailed and then now later feeling kind of a little bit beat down. That's like kind of a negative way to reframe it. But I think a really positive way to reframe it is I do see that because of the things that I've gone through, I'm able to relate to anyone going through major transitions, whether it's career life or other types of things. I have an understanding of what it is to struggle, of what it is to suffer. And I think for myself too, I've learned, I didn't think I was like a high ego person But when you go through things like that, where you would define yourself as having failed, right? And now years out, I might not see that thing as a failure. But when I was going through it, I felt like I was the biggest failure. But because Mm -hmm. I have experienced that type of way of looking at myself, I have a high sense of humility. And I think that that is actually like a really big strength as you get older. Mm. Yes, So beautiful. (laughs) So real. I love it. No, it is true. I think that is the point because we come in, especially in our 20s, feeling like we should already know the should coming back, right? Like when you graduate college, you should already have a job. You should have your 401k, <laughs> your healthcare, all that figured out at age 20. And as you get older, you realize that like, that's not the point. That's not the case. Understanding that, yeah, it's a process that we're all learning and no one knows all of it at one time. It's developing a deep sense of compassion and love towards your fellow human beings because you've been through it and you're like, oh my God, I get it. Yes, yes. Sorry, before I was like, oh my God, get your life together. And now I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) What about you, Minji? Like the greatest lessons that you've learned about yourself? I echo and appreciate everything that Janet said about humility. And learning Mm -hmm. in being brought to your knees in a way, like being really honest with yourself about your significance and insignificance as a person is really, really good for you. And it creates a lot of empathy and compassion. I think it's so incredible what she said. I also think in addition to that, that all of us are capable of being superhuman, like superheroes. And that, at least for me, I look to a lot of external factors or external achievements or external entities, other people to help do that for me. And they have, I'm not discounting the value of what my family and my friends and my partners have done for me because without them, I wouldn't be able to. But we can also have incredible resiliency as people, as an individual, We can take on so much more than we think. And in that way, I don't resent my religious upbringing. Like, you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. If you feel extremely challenged, that's the discomfort of growth. You know, it's that discomfort of the butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. That mofo has got to fight through that chrysalis and like (laughs) 
learn how to beat those wings before they can fly. You know, it's it, there's a weird, right. yucky in between time of just like learning how to flex those muscles. And sometimes, you know, without that stress, we don't feel urgency and we don't feel motivation to move forward. So sometimes if we just look, take a step back and like recognize, look, I've been through other hard things. And you know, the older you get, you kind of recognize like this is a new hard thing, but like I can handle it. I'll figure it out. Give yourself credit. And somebody said this really funny analogy that I thought was hilarious. They're basically saying like, I'm going to be there for myself the way that, remember that movie Taken? Remember that dad? (laughs) Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson yeah. handles it. You know what I'm saying? He gets a call from a hostage saying that they kid- that kidnapped his daughter, and he's like, "I'm gonna find you." I'm kill you. Like, you know, he (laughs) handles it. And it's like, you could be that for yourself. You know what I mean? You would never let yourself be taken hostage. You are your own superhero. Yeah, be your own superhero. Go to the ends of the earth for yourself. Whether that means you take a vacation or you start meditating and it's mad uncomfortable. Trust me, I've been there. Or you start a new workout regimen or you get out of a toxic friendship or relationship, whatever, you know, go the extra mile for yourself out of love, out of survival, because you're that determined to figure out how to get to that next step. And I think we're all capable of that. And that comes out in so many different forms. It doesn't have to be this like grandiose gesture or some like big, bold thing. It could just be like, I'm gonna take a freaking day off (laughs) to reset. Maybe that's all you need. But like, you know, you're doing it for you. And I think people are way more resilient than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Go be Liam Neeson. Do it. Yeah. It's terrifying, but also really inspirational at the same time. Well, it's because we all want someone that would fight for us like that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I hear you. I think like something that I realized too in this backward flip of feeling so limited during these transitional periods a lot where, you know, feeling like a failure, feeling shame, feeling like I don't know, I'm not enough and all that, that now getting to this point and being through so many of those different types of periods and growth that now understanding that when you start stripping away these limitations, these false narratives in your head that you've pretty much conditioned your entire life to avoid or to do or to internalize in different ways, which affect your actions and your decision making, which then, you know, ironically form your identity, that when you start stripping those things away, you get to really start soaking in the infinite greatness of who you are because then curiosity comes in. Then you start seeing life and world in a different way. When before you're like, I would never do that or I can't do that. Or like, oh my God, that person's so much better at that. Like I'm so behind, I'll never get there. But then when you start stripping away, like that, none of that is true. Who knows that? The only reason why that's not happening is because you're standing in your own way of saying that you can't do it. So when you start really becoming aware of that and learning more about yourself and adjusting behaviors and patterns that really more align with you, then you really start to see that there is an infinite well inside that you can pursue moving forward with a deeper motivation versus I'm just doing this to prove to other people that I can or to prove to myself that I can. You know, you start understanding from a deeper level that like if you wanted to, you already have done that. You already have overcome so much. You have it in you to go and you are impacting other people's lives. I hear so much of that from people of different ages, but especially from their 20s. They're like, I want to be part of something great. You know, I want to be part of a movement. I want to make a difference. And I love that. And that's so special to have. But you have to understand that you already are doing that. 
how are you showing up? And you may feel like, well, I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean my family. <laughs> I don't mean like my friends. Like, no, it starts there. It really does start there. I think it's really great what you're saying, Christine. And one of the things that helped me is like just volunteering, like literally getting out of my head and stop fixating on what hardship I'm going through really did help. Like, I think I randomly helped out my brother and his law school friends like do Habitat for Humanity one day. And that was just mm -hmm. such a nice break from my own brain to like do something yeah. with my hands for somebody else that was like completely outside of me. And so that's even like what you're saying, like being part of something great, even if it's for a day or for an hour, yeah, can like, you know, get things moving in your mind. That's like something tangible you can do that can help yourself. Yeah, no, I love that. A lot of times when I talk, I talk about like abstract things. <laughs> and it's like, how do you make that tangible? So thank you so much <laughs> for that great idea. So then, yeah, that's end with Regina on, mm -hmm. you know, your biggest lessons of yourself? Oh, I definitely think my biggest lesson is just to have more confidence in myself. I have a tendency to be really hard on myself. And I just always look at my own weaknesses and things that I'm not good at and things that other people have that I don't have and that I want that I seemingly can't get. But when I look back at my own journey and the experiences that I have, like I start to realize like, hey, these are the things that I'm good at. And like admitting to the parts where, you know, hey, these are things that I can improve on, looking to others and seeking help when they have like talents and capabilities that are better than mine and learning from them. I think that, you know, the hardest thing about going through a transition is just staying within your own head. I think talking to other people helps me so much because it helps me like process my thoughts. Like I've said a lot, I'm not good with my thinking and my mouth, like communicating yeah. between the two. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I'm really able to verbally, you know, describe like what I'm trying to do and like all these things, I'm like, oh, okay. It's actually a lot more clear when I say it out loud and I'm able to like pen it to paper. And, you know, when you fill your life with the right people, they will encourage you to be your very best and they will tell you the ways that you are the very best. And I think that that's what has changed immensely from like when I first moved back to now being able to see myself in a different light and being like, okay, it's okay that I don't know how to do everything, but these are the things that I can take ownership of. And then these are the things that I can like outsource or ask for help for. Confidence in myself is it's a daily struggle, but I think that slowly and surely I'm starting to learn to be more comfortable with myself and my habits. Kind of like what Janet said, like, you know, she said that she really needs to like try it in order to know whether or not she likes it. That's okay. Like that's your process, Janet, you know, and like me accepting my own process and my own, I don't even like to call them flaws, but just like my own process and like what works for me and, you know, what works for others may not work for yourself, but you know, you just have to be confident in what you're doing and that it will work out for you because you know, deep down that this has worked in the past. Right. Yeah. And that you're extremely capable. You will conquer what is it that is in your heart that's speaking to you. And it's your job to discover what that is. What is it that mm -hmm. aligns with yourself? I know that's a big task, but you have your entire lifetime to figure that out. So in the meantime, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling in this 
transitional period that we're talking about. Don't be discouraged. You have four women here. <laughs> we understand. We got you. You're doing great, Regina. I believe yeah. in you. <laughs> I know. I feel like this was such a, like a good like pep up session for me. <laughs> good. I think for all of us. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. like we said, right? Where mm-hmm. there will be more experiences where we will feel like, oh man back here again or lost. But when we are there, just like Janet said, it's just using the tools that you've accumulated as you've gotten older and through experiences, you know, that will help you move forward, quote unquote, faster, or be able to like, not feel so in limbo for so long. You know, I know how that feels. And you just Mm -hmm. get more and more down on yourself. But yeah, Thank you guys so much for being so open and sharing. You guys are so wise. Oh my God. I'm like I fangirling over here. Every time I talk to you guys. <laughs> Thank you oh. guys. I feel very, my soul feels very refreshed. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, where can people find you guys? So AVG Asian Boss Girl, we are on social media, most active on Instagram. Our handle is at Asian Boss Girl. And you can find us on all the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast. It's ABG slash Asian Boss Girl. Come check us out. That sounds like such a great advertising voice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> come on. Come check all out. those yeah. skills have come into play at this moment. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Minji? Where can people find your beautiful soul? I need to update my podcast social media, but you can find me at Minjeezy, M-I-N-J-E-E-Z-Y. And there are links to my podcast, first of all. Yeah, you can find first of all podcasts on iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all the things. Yeah. And we'll be sure to link everything down in the description below. Definitely check out these ladies podcasts because every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh man, I feel so inspired and just so uplifted. I think that there's just something so special about this platform and it's just an incredible way for us to all just connect and relate to one another. And thank you guys so, so, so much for being here tonight. I honestly feel so refreshed and so excited for what's to come. Right. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for having us. Excited for the event. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely follow everyone. I'm sure we'll all be posting updates and all these things about the event. We're so excited if you guys are able to come and if you haven't already purchased tickets and you never know, maybe we'll come to a city near you guys. So yeah, thank you guys so much and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.